Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. As I was waiting to go on television this morning on Fox News Channel as a contributor on The Real Story with Gretchen Carlson that aired at 2 p.m. Eastern, actually 2.35-ish p.m. Eastern earlier today, and you can get that on our website, lesliemarshallshow.com. I was set to talk about Bobby Jindal and Chris Christie throwing their hat into the ring for one, two more of the many uh, cluttered uh, GOP candidates uh, for the run for president in 2016. But what happened this morning is out of Boston, at the sentencing hearing, there was talk that Sarnayev might make a comment. Now, if I had to bet money at the time, I would have said that he would not, and he ended up doing so. We ended up talking on television about Sarnayev, about his comments, and then awaited the reaction by survivors and victims' families. First, let's listen to the CNN report on the comments that were given where no press was allowed in the courtroom. This is a report by CNN on the comments that Sarnayev made. People inside that courtroom were on the edges of their seat as he stood up and spoke for the very first time. I mean, this was not only him breaking his silence, but this was also him apologizing for what he did. And I want to read this to you uh, because it was it was really just so dramatic. Uh, He effectively said he said the bombing, which I am guilty of. If there's any lingering doubt, I did do it along with my brother. And he said he wanted to apologize to the victims and to the survivors as well. He quoted the month of Ramadan. We are now in the holy month of Ramadan. And he quoted that several times, giving praise to Allah in what can only be described as a very thick accent, an accent which his friends have told me he simply didn't have when he was going through high school. Uh, But he said Ramadan was a time of forgiveness, gratitude, reconciliation, quote, a month in which hearts change. Now, there were victims and survivors who were in that courtroom, family members who were in that courtroom, listening to all of this as he spoke. Uh, He didn't look in their direction. He addressed the judge. He thanked his lawyers for their companionship, uh, thanking them for all the things that they had done for him and his family. And then the judge essentially carried out the sentence, saying that he was uh, going to um, sentence you to the penalty of death by execution. And I'll tell you, Brooke and Ashley, the judge did not pull any punches. He essentially said to Sarnayev, you had to redefine what it is to be an innocent person. Well, it was, quote, a monstrous self-deception. You had to forget your own humanity. And then he sentenced him to death on the six counts on which he was found eligible for execution. And then he served him to the rest life, consecutive, concurrent. We just actually lost count of all the different sentences that were just handed down, Brooke. 
Um, absolutely um, amazing. And, and, I, and I have to say, I was very surprised that Sarnayev said anything because he didn't seem to care. We'll talk more about uh, what he had said and more specifics in reference to what you heard that reporter stating uh, via CNN. That was CNN and the report on Sanayev's comments. And now we want you to hear some of the reaction by some of the survivors of that bombing on that terrible day in Boston. Uh, I just wanted to vent a little bit about the first time we heard his voice today. Nobody really realized that we didn't know what he sounded like after two years. And uh, after we heard it, we wish we hadn't, because the things he had to say were sort of shocking. Uh, He talked at first about Allah and this being the month of forgiveness, implying that we should all forgive him. And the last thing we wanted to hear was about Allah and why he did this in the first place and changed all our lives forever. And then he went on to give a sort of Oscar-type speech thanking the judge and thanking the jury and thanking his legal team and those who couldn't be here and his family for testifying and making, and I quote, making my life easy for the past two years. Well, our lives have been anything but easy, and our lives will never be the same again. I live a block from the finish line, and my neighborhood has changed forever. I'm one of the survivors as well. Um, and I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I am a family physician, and I specifically came up today to tell my story. Um, I, as a family physician, have hidden and invisible injuries, which most of the media are not aware of. Um, Those injuries for me are bilateral hearing loss, for which I wear hearing aids. I've been wearing them since August of 2013. I also have a mild traumatic brain injury, Um, in addition have PTSD as well and part of today for me was to explain what it's been like to live with for the last two years these injuries to all of you I look completely normal but inside I have significant injuries that I've been living with and going through and as a physician And having to go through the struggles of getting diagnosed and having to convince medical professionals what it's like to have injuries and to seek the proper care. My personal opinion uh, is a little bit different than um, my two compadres here. I I was actually really happy that he made the statement. Um, I, as I said in my personal impact statement, um, I have forgiven him. Um, I have come to a a place of peace, and I I genuinely hope that he does as well. Um, And for me to hear him say that he's sorry, um, that is enough for me. And I I hope, because I I still do have faith in humanity, including in him, um, I hope that his words were genuine. I hope that they were heartfelt. Um, I hope that they were as honest as the statements that you heard today in court from the victims and the survivors. Um, I obviously have no way of knowing that, but I'm going to take it on faith that uh, what he said was genuine. There was a little bit of rhetoric in there. I I agree with what you said, absolutely. Um, Some of it was hard to hear, you know, but uh, I I really, I was really profoundly affected, really deeply moved that um, he did do that because 
whether we'd like to uh, acknowledge it or not, his statement, like ours, takes courage because the entire world is watching us right now. Amazing. You know, I have to say between that survivor and the comments specifically by the families and the survivors in South Carolina, make me realize that they are far better people than I. I'm very good at holding a grudge. I don't know that I could be so forgiving. And uh, that's uh, not one of my qualities. I'll tell you, that's true, though. When the Boston Marathon bomber, Sarnayev, today finally ended his long silence, I I was shocked. I didn't think he would because I didn't think he cared. He never showed when he was in the courtroom any remorse. There was nothing visible. No emotion, no reaction, no tears. When photos of the carnage and the destruction of human bodies and lives at his hands were shown in that courtroom. When descriptions and testimony after testimony of the people that are amputees and how their lives have changed and of a man whose wife and daughter will never be the same and whose son is gone. He showed none, nothing, no, 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 no visible emotion. It did not seem that he was remorseful. He asked Allah to help his victims. Now, just so that you know, I, I just want to be very clear. When people think that Allah is the Muslim God, and when people say uh, that that is not true, Allah is simply the Arabic word for God, just like Jews say Jehovah or Adonai. The difference is only in the word Allah. It means God. God, you know, when they say Allah Akbar, that means God is great. It is not some call to bomb buildings or people. And I say that because we have one point, over 1.6 billion Muslims throughout the world. And it bothers me when guys like this stand there and say, I am a Muslim. I believe in Islam. You know, because somebody who wants to blame an entire religion or group of people has more fuel for their fire after such comments. I don't believe that anybody can commit such heinous acts and be of any religion, because all religions state through the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill, depending on which version you believe. And the other thing, when he, you know, people would say, well, it is a different God, because he says there is only one God, he is the true God. So you understand. Jews also believe in only one God, who most who are religious will not utter the word God, and they will not write it. They'll put an asterisk, or a G in two asterisks. What they mean by that is Christians believe in a triune God, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They believe in God, Jesus to be the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit. Jews and Muslims do not. Jews and Muslims believe God is God, that Jesus is not the Son. Jews believe Jesus was a carpenter's uh, son, popular guy, nice guy, maybe he performed miracles, who knows. Muslims believe he is a prophet like Moses and Abraham, just so it's clear. And Muslims also believe in the crucifixion of Christ, and they even believe in the resurrection of Christ, which is uh, interesting. I say that because I married into a Muslim, uh, my husband was raised by Muslims and I know not only from speaking with them and attending uh, different uh, mosques, speaking to different uh, imams, 
but also reading the Quran cover to cover for myself, so somebody else wouldn't tell me what everything meant. Um, so he asked God to help his victims and their families. He apologized to them for the pain and suffering that he caused two years ago. And you heard him say, if there is any lingering doubt, I did it along with my brother of the report, referring to the bombings in his, uh, carried out by him and his brother Tamerlan. Quote, I have asked Allah to have mercy on me and my brother and my family. And only God can, right? Or can they? Can people have mercy on him? At 21 years of age, speaking in that low voice, he said he was sorry. He never turned to face his victims, which some people say, if you don't, I always tell my kids when they apologize, look me in the eye and say it with sincerity. Otherwise, I don't believe you. And he also apologized, something that was needed to be heard, but something many, myself included, didn't totally believe because there's been no remorse at all up until this point. Quote, I would like to now apologize to the victims and to the survivors. I am sorry for the lives that I have taken. Did this just come over him? Is this genuine? Is this true? Do you buy it? I don't. This is a guy that flipped the middle finger, pegged a finger, flipped the bird, whichever way you say it, at a camera en route to court one day. This is a guy that showed, like I said, no emotion, no visible sign of emotion, no tears. He didn't even seem to swallow hard, put his head down, look away when heinous photos were shown of bodies blown to smithereens by the acts of he and his, or the actions of he and his brother with those bombs. Using an accent when he never had one. Talking about how attorneys and his family made it easy for him these past couple of years. And that bothered me because how difficult it has been for those who have lost family members and, 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 and how much, how difficult for those that have lost limbs and they are alive and have to live with that memory every day when they look in the mirror, or when they put on their shirt or try to in a very different way, or their pants or in a wheelchair when they weren't before. And then Judge, Judge George O'Toole formally sentenced him to death. Of course, that decision was already made by a federal jury. So let's talk about this. One, Sarnayev did show some remorse today in the courtroom. Do you believe him? Why or why not? Do you believe him? I do not because he's had no history of remorse. And why did he wake up with this all of a sudden? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Why do you think he apologized? Sentencing's done. He is sentenced to death. His attorneys and others say it really won't affect his appeal. Why do you think he apologized? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. So I have asked for mercy, not just from God, but from his victims. Should the victims and their families forgive him like the victims and the families of those victims and the survivors did in South Carolina? Should mercy be given to Sarnaya by the victims and the families of the victims of this heinous bombing like they did in South Carolina? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. I want to add what we hadn't planned. Is it easier for you to forgive the kid in South Carolina as opposed to Sarnayev? And if so, why? Is it easier to forgive a kid with a gun who kills nine than a guy with bombs who kills four and leaves numerous people changed physically forever? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And one more. Was it wrong for him to mention his religion? Because many would say he has tarnished it and made it more difficult for more than one billion people who follow 
a peaceful religion properly. I'm Leslie Marshall. Look at the phone to join me. 888-6-LESLIE. 888-653-7543 is the number. Join me. Call me. And tweet me. I'll share your tweets as well. At Leslie Marshall to tweet me. But it is the talk show. Give me a buzz. 888-6-LESLIE. Back to you and your calls and your feeling on this right after this. Did Do you believe him? Why do you think he apologized? He showed some remorse. Do you buy it? I do not. We'll be we are back. I'm asking you. The terrorist, the bomber, Sarnayev, sentenced to death. And at the sentencing, he showed remorse and he apologized. Do you buy it? He also asked for mercy. Could you give this guy mercy? And do you feel the victims of that heinous day should? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Let's go to the calls, and we start with Chris in California on line five. Chris, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, you, you know, uh, you talk about, uh, and, and I know you tweeted also about uh, the gullibility, our gullibility. So you, if somebody believes him to be genuine, you think they're gullible, right? I do, because somebody cannot act in that monstrous, you know, dark veil of evil way for months, a year, actually, over a year, and all of a sudden turn the switch and have remorse. He just wants life, possibly, and... Well, no, that's not. I don't. I know there's an appeals process. I'm not even sure. Does he want to live? Would he want to live? No, I wouldn't personally. No, me either. But he would like to sit in his evil and admire his handiwork. I would think. Okay, so you do not believe him. You think it's a. You think you think it was an act, and you think he did it because if he can on appeal reduce the sentence from death to life. We're going to take a break. If you have more to say, hang on. If not, then thank you for joining us. I'm Leslie Marshall. Back after this. If you're holding, hang tight. Line available for you, 8886-LESLIE. Do you buy the apology and the remorse from <clears throat> the terrorist and the bomber, Sarnaya? We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Happy hump day. It was not a happy day in Boston, but a lot of people shocked and surprised when the terrorist, the bomber, who uh, admitted uh, that he did this with his brother, and uh, that he um, apologized. He said he felt bad about what he did, and he asked for mercy from God and from God on his victims, and from his victims to him. Should he be given mercy? And do you buy this remorseful apology? Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight. And if not, why do you think he's doing it? He's already going to die. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. He did reference Ramadan, which is a month of prayer and fasting. And it could be in that month of prayer and fasting that, I don't know, he found God? Who knows? 888-6-LESLIE is the number. We go back to California with Chris on line five. Chris, thank you for holding. Welcome back. I know you had more to say. Go ahead and finish up. Yeah. Um, You know, as the case in South Carolina, too, both of them were terrorists. Plain and simple. It doesn't matter what we oh, race you are. I agree with you. So you could could you could they, you forgive them? I could not. I'm being honest. They, no. they killed a family member. I couldn't kill them either. I, I couldn't kill them. Excuse me. I couldn't forgive them either way. No, not either way. And personally, I think they should kind of go through what the victims went through. But we don't do that here. And the pure evil, you know, that gets seeps into these people is something that no society can fix. I've read some tweets about rehabilitating it. Why bother? You can't. He may have found, you know, God in his way, but I don't think anything's sincere. And we would be fools to think he was. 
It's just, it's disgusting. He's repulsive. All right. Uh, I agree with you there. Thank you for uh, joining us and calling us. Chris, hope to hear from you uh, from the state where I live uh, in California uh, once again. Chris, thank you. Uh, Let's go to New Mexico, line one with Loretta. Hi, Loretta. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Leslie. First of all, I want to thank you for the power of your convictions. Um, I'm going to just tell you a little thing. I'm calling just to address the pain and the grief of the families of these survivors. My daughter was killed in a fire. I'm going to cry. I'm sorry. Fifteen years ago, it was by these kids who were doing drugs. and She lived in this apartment. She was in college. She was 21. She was in the third year of her school at Tulsa University. And uh, I never knew who did it. My lawyer was very, very great, protected me from all those kind of things. But it doesn't matter. The pain is still there. The loss is still there. The grief is still there. I lost my career. I have a bachelor's in nursing. I lost my husband. Now I live in my car with my dog. There's just no way to get over it. The only thing I really know to do is, well, because I'm Catholic, I probably shouldn't have thrown that in there, but I just know that, you know, God tells you, if you pray for those who have hurt you, then you will be taken care of. It's just such a horrible thing. And I'm so sorry that these people are going through it. And that's all I just wanted to say. Well, before you before you hang up, Loretta, okay? Okay. All right. First, first of all, I, I, I'm, I'm sincerely, sincerely I'm sorry. sorry for your loss. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. You're, you're, you know what? I would think there's something wrong with a mom talking about her child and not crying. So don't apologize, okay? Se- second of all, no parent should have to bury their child. And I know this because I buried my child. Very different situation, very different age. But I am in that club that you are in that we never wanted membership in. You know, I told somebody once, there's a hole in my heart that nothing and no one can fill. And I know that you know that. I can hear that in your voice and in your When pain. I went to the dark side, Leslie, you know, I didn't know what to do. And so I did the drugs and the alcohol and the men and all those things. And I'm still living in my freaking car. I'm still not, I'm still not good. It just destroyed me. And I know that these people have been destroyed, but they know where to put their anger or their hate or whatever it is that they have. I don't even know where to put it. You only know how to pray about it, and I can't even pray. I can't pray loud enough. I can't pray. I understand. No, I understand. I understand. I, I, God and I have had, uh, you know, our issues with each other. Loretta, can I ask you something? You mentioned you were Catholic. You're living in your car. You mentioned you were Catholic, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, listen to me. And I'm not doing this to pass you off because I'm not in New Mexico. If I were, I would try to come to you and help you. Loretta, Catholic Charities is one of the best philanthropic um, charities that is in this country. They do incredible work, and you don't even have to be Catholic uh, to benefit from all they, they, they do. I honestly, you're talking to me on the phone, so you have a phone. Call Catholic Charities. Tell them and ask them to help you. And do not stop stop blaming yourself for going down. No, no, no. You were trying to heal. You were trying to you were trying to heal that hole in your heart and take away the pain with booze and with men, whatever. You're human. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to call them. I want you to call our producers back and let us know that you have, and I, wanna, I want updates from you. 
okay? And not okay. on the air. Not on the air. We don't want updates from you. Uh, in Santa Fe, do you have a pen? We have the number for you there. Um, uh, Loretta, yes, do you... ma'am. Can you please wait? I've got to get my car. I'm trying to, you know. No, no, I understand. I'm I up understand. here in the mountains. I understand. I'm sorry. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. Well, I wasn't prepared for, you know, an assignment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. You're in Santa Fe, right? You're in Taos. Okay. You know what? We're going to put her on hold. Guys, can you get her whatever number of resources she needs? Okay? Give her the back line number to call. And um, after that, so we find out that she has connected. Thank you. Thank you, Mark and Andrew. We want to help Loretta, and we don't want to get ratings off of Loretta's pain. Uh, But uh, the, the, the way she is crying and what she is feeling is being experienced by people in South Carolina, in Boston, and many of you that are listening to the sound of my voice that you know, you know, those of you that have buried a child or lost a loved one to a tragedy even more so, you know, you know that pain. Let's continue with the phone calls. We go to Ralph in Hershey, Pennsylvania on line three. Hi, Ralph. How are you? Hi, how are you? We have two degrees of six, six, we have two six degrees of separation connections. You ready? Ready. One, I am a Northeastern University alumni. 1982. I'm not telling you my year. I know your year. And I am, I am an ambassador uh, to Northeastern, no joke. And two, what that means is they want me to go out and get money from all of you, right? And, uh, and, and number two, my parent, I grew up pretty, uh, poor not like living in a tent or that kind of thing but you know my you know we lived in a tiny house that was built on land my grandparents owned my dad was a jazz musician my mom a part-time nurse we were lower middle class financially and we would only go on vacation via car never stay in a hotel however once when i was a little girl we drove from outside of boston where i'm from to hershey pennsylvania we stayed at the holiday inn I had my own bed because there were two double beds in a room. And, oh, my God, I thought I was the richest kid in the world. I have such fond memories of Hershey, not just for chocolate, that hotel and that time with my parents before my brothers came along because it was the first time I got to stay in a hotel. And, honestly, when I see Hershey, Pennsylvania, that memory comes into my mind and it makes me smile. So, Ralph, you made me smile twice today. You haven't even talked to me yet. Hershey, Pennsylvania and Northeastern, our connection there. Well, your question, I believe, on Twitter was, something in terms of how should the victims of the bombings feel. And uh, I was introduced to the marathon in, I think it was 1978. It was the year that Bill Rogers won. Yeah. Uh, and I would later go on to work for him in his running store down at Faneuil Hall. Um, I have deep roots in the Boston running community. Uh, it was Irwin Cohen, who at the time was the head track coach, and Everett Baker was the assistant coach, who introduced me to volunteering at the finish line. Uh, I would later uh, become a more or less employee of the marathon uh, looking for cheers after Rosie Ruiz uh, in 1980. And I think you were at Northeastern at the time. It, uh, I used to live in 90, the Fenway. But anyways. I lived, in, I lived in Spear Hall and then moved off campus after freshman year. Uh, did you? Well, we ate at Stetson East. We were the only guys dorm in with all the nursing students at the... Oh, I remember home. that well. <laughs> and those of you that came time. over to Spear to eat, I remember that well, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, you know, the 
and and I use the family of the Corcorans from up in Lowell. Uh, Sydney Corcoran yeah. uh, is a, a student at, at uh, Merrimack College. She's not much older than my own daughter. And um, the family of Martin Richard, they are on opposite ends. Um, and really what I find sad is that people on social media are attacking both families because the pro-death penalty people are attacking the Richards and the anti-death penalty people are attacking the Corcorans. I, you know, these folks have gone through uh, trauma. Uh, the rich family lost their eight-year-old son, and Sydney and her mom both uh, suffered grievous injuries. I don't think people should be going after these folks. Uh, we need to support them in whatever decision they make. It's not our decision to make. Um, we can agree or disagree. Um, you know, America seems to have so much hatred, I think, sometimes. And if they think somebody's weak or they're a victim, they go after them. And in the case of the Boston Marathon victims, you know, there's over 200 of them. We really shouldn't do that. I, mean, I think that's so beneath our dignity as, as a country and as individuals. That's really my two cents worth. Okay. Thank you. Uh, very well said, and uh, thank you for making me smile with those uh, connections today. Hope to hear from you again, Ralph, there in Hershey. Thank you, Ralph. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, if you're holding, hang on, coming right to you. If you're not there yet, pick up the phone and join us. We have a line or two available, and we are talking about the apology and remorse from Sarnayev. Do you buy it? Why did he do it? And could you bestow the mercy upon him that he has asked for? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. I'm awful. I admit it. I couldn't. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Pick up the phone and join us. Tweets, follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. I'll share some of those as well when we return. Don't go away. We are back. I just want those of you who are listening. We have a number of organizations that are going to help Loretta. Thank you to those that called in from uh, Taos, New Mexico. And we will be connecting her with Habitat for Humanity, um, also with Catholic Charities. And there's another local organization called Open Skies Healthcare that called in. Uh, thank you, Greg, at Open Skies Healthcare and to my great crew for helping her. Craig, sorry. Thank you, Craig. Uh, so Loretta will be getting, hopefully, the help she needs. Remember, there are a lot of organizations that can help. you got to seek them out. And you got to work with them because you got to take that step. And it's hard sometimes. Right? you got to take that step. Let's go to the calls. 888-6-LESLIE. 888-653-7543 is the number. Michael in the Bronx is next. Line two. Hey, Michael. Good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. I, I, I can't begin to tell you how much I was moved by um, Loretta's call. My heart goes out to her. My heart goes out to um, the victims. And if she is still listening, if I can make an offer, um, Leslie, with your permission? I don't know what it is. Why don't you say what it is, and then I'll go, okay. <laughs> well, the, well, the thing is, is that I don't know if she is on Facebook. I know you and I are on Facebook friends. I don't know if she's connected with you. By all means, if she feels she needs a friend even to talk on Facebook, look me up. I encourage you and your staff to pass her my phone name if she wants to look me up. Send me a friend request and Facebook message. Remind me of who she is. I'll confirm it in a heartbeat. Like I said, I have so much empathy for what she went through. And that's why I get mad so much when it comes to these injustices. And I I, mean, I was very teary-eyed when I listened to her. I mean, she, it just broke my heart of what she went through. Um, I'm sorry. 
but just to um, answer your questions, um, I don't think I don't think that the um, defendant was sincere. It's hard for me to say. Um, he might have been just been afraid of what he's facing. That's why he's so remorseful. And somebody like me could have said he should have thought about that before you decided to um, plant those bombs there. Hello. But nonetheless, I still wouldn't um, would not recommend the death penalty because um, when you know how I am, I just don't believe in this life for a life. Even though people say eye for an eye, um, there's no way that says a life for a life. And you know, it's just wrong to kill another human being. It's wrong to take revenge. Um, the only thing I could see is that if he remained a threat, even as an indirect threat, then maybe I could see taking that extra measures. But I, generally, I don't favor the death penalty. And to me, life in prison is going to be more difficult for him than the death penalty. And I've said before that if it happened to me, I lost if I lost my wife or a loved one due to some kind of criminal act or even terror, and the convicted defendant um, has to face the um, penalty phase, I would recommend life in prison. I, I tell the judge I want this guy to go through each and every single day for the rest of his life suffering mentally the way I would be suffering mentally. If he was put to death, there's no more suffering, there's no more pain, and yet I'm the one that's still going through a lifetime of pain without my loved one. So I would want him to feel exactly what I'm feeling. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I do. You, you know, I, I think when we see in South Carolina people forgiving, I know for me, or, or giving the mercy that Sarnayev was asking for, it makes mm-hmm. uh, it softens the anger, the hatred, and the vindiction that we feel. And absolutely, absolutely. You may because I, we we can't we can't be and shouldn't be like the those individuals. And and, and you know if I could say in and, and the other the other thing is that that look I'm in favor of the death penalty. A lot of libs get on me uh, for this, and there are liberals in Boston who were in favor of the death penalty just for Sarnayev. Trust me, I know some of them, but. Um, uh, you know, I do think life in prison can be harder. Um, then again, <laughs> I've watched every bloody thing on Netflix, whether it's Angola, the farm or, you know, light locked up, locked up, abroad, whatever. Um, being on death row and looking out your cell as much as you can at down the hall at that death chamber and seeing the end of that gurney and knowing that is your fate. Now, for some people, they may say, well, I'd love to know when I'm going to die and how. I hear you. I feel you on that. But I I have to say that um, when you're on death row, you're often in solitary confinement. It's a very it's different than being in a general population where you're watching television. You got an hour to work out, depending on you know what maximum security prison you're in. You can form relationships. You can have a life. And I think it's very clear that people don't want Sarnayev, myself included, to have any kind of a life with what he's done to so many, not just four lives that are lost, uh, uh, hundreds that have been altered by this. Well, there are two things to consider on that. First off, when it comes to execution, I wouldn't want that 
you know, on my shoulders if I had voted for that. You know, I, I would like to be able to go home and see them and say that I never voted uh, for another person's life to cease. And then when you think of the violence that goes on in a maximum security prison sometimes, um, I'm not saying to wish this on him, but I only know that these things have occurred. Heaven forbid, he could actually get killed in prison. How many people, how many convicts are sitting in prison right now wanting a piece of him after what he's done? You know, there's, there's so many things to consider here, and it's a tricky it's a tricky situation and a tricky call whether to give him the death penalty or give him life in prison where he could actually be killed in prison nonetheless. Okay. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. 8886 Leslie, 888 is the number. We are out of time. Uh, quickly, uh, some tweets. Karma's little helper would like to line people up and do and kill them like Manson Sarnayev and Roof with a sledgehammer, and I told him that's not how Karma wants help. Uh, David says Muslim extremists shape, mold, and interpret spiritual doctrines to fit their personal agendas. Well, any extremist does, whether it's a Confederate flag, a racist organization, the Bible, the Quran, or the Torah. I'm Leslie Marshall, back tomorrow on Thursday. Hope you'll be joining me. Thank you to Mark and Andrew, my great crew. How to show up with Coca-Cola Energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love. How to show up with Coca-Cola Energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.